Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to First and Moose, the NFL podcast presented by U92, the Moose, the student radio station of West Virginia University. I'm your host, Patrick McCabe, again, joined by my co-hosts, Manny Mardiege and Zach Anderson. It's been a tumultuous two weeks to start off this NFL season so far. Uh, Seahawks not doing so hot for Zach, Steelers up in, up in the air a little bit for Manny, and well, my Eagles are probably going to win the Super Bowl. We'll get into that a little bit later on. You know, it has been a – it's been a – I'm trying to think of the right word to describe these first two weeks of the season. Uh, you know, we'll go, we'll get into that in a second. But, you know, going back to the start of week two, which is that Chargers-Chiefs Thursday night opener, uh, Chiefs ended up winning that one. forget what our picks were for that. But, Manny, what was your takeaway from that game? Uh, you know, do you think that the Chargers blew, do you think the Chargers should have won that game or do you think the Chiefs should have won that? Uh, I forget exactly what our predictions were again. Yeah, I thought uh, I thought the Chargers were going to win. I think that's what I predicted. I'm pretty sure. And uh, I think they probably would have won it if uh, if that pick six didn't happen. That 99 yarder uh, where uh, he do that on the goal line, right? When like Gerald Everett on the play before he wanted to come out. But uh, they told him to stay in because they were in the hurry up. And uh, he clearly looked exhausted and uh, just didn't run the route right. And obviously the Chiefs took it back. And then after that, it was really uh, – they really had no hope after that just because uh, Herbert was getting banged up. It was his ribs. I'm not sure exactly what they said it was officially. Um, but with him banged up like that, he still completed some amazing passes that kind of kept him in it. But you never really felt or really were convinced they were going to win it after that because – like I mentioned, he was banged up, and that, that momentum swing was too big to overcome, especially at home. Uh, the Chiefs really took over from there, and the Chiefs looked better than I thought. Um, they spread the ball a lot with Patrick Mahomes, and uh, they seemed just as efficient as always. So um, they look good, and I think the Chargers will still be good, but it just depends on how Herbert's doing uh, these next couple weeks. Yeah, I think the official word on Herbert was that he got uh, – it was like broken rib cartilage, if I'm not mistaken, was the official uh, word that they used for his injury. He looks fine. I saw reports uh, today that uh, at practice he looked like his normal self. So, you know, hopefully the Chargers are able to protect him just a little bit better. Zach, I want to get your perspective on it as well. You know, these are two teams that we expect to be competing – to be the representative for the AFC to go into the Super Bowl. What do you take away from this game? It's still early in the season, but these kind of matchups do come into play, you know, later on in the season. It was definitely uh, an interesting game because I think if you pick out two teams from the AFC West, these are the two teams that you would pick, you know, and, and the Chargers um, made a run at there at the end, even with Herbert, you know, ailing. Um, and he, he was very impressive. I need to mention that. I just don't want to walk past that. He was very impressive despite being injured and taking a couple of big hits down the stretch there. He was impressive uh, leading that comeback. But the Chiefs offense looked smooth. Um, and, and their defense late definitely came on. And like uh, Manny said with the interception return, um, their defense showed a lot of uh, bright spots, which is something without Tyron Matthew, you, you thought maybe the uh, Chiefs defense would be a little worse this season. But they, they showed that they can still compete. And um, I think one of these two teams can be the representative from the AFC West for the playoffs this year. I mean, I have to, I think you're spot on with that. I think, you know, that AFC West we knew was going to be one of the more competitive 
in the NFL when you know you're stockpiling talent from the Broncos and the Raiders to the Chargers and the Chiefs, you know, there is a good possibility that we end up having, you know, three teams representing the the excuse me, the AFC West. Uh, there's also the chance that, you know, there could be only two teams or even one team. It really is up in the air. Uh, but again, these matchups do kind of matter early on, you know, early, not trying to say is they, you know, they may not seem like they matter earlier on in the season, but again, when you get in later in the season, those tie break, those tiebreakers really do hold a lot of value and seeing who gets in and who does it. We'll get to Sunday, early Sunday games first. The first one that surprised me, the Lions getting their first win of the season uh, I don't know about you guys, but I watched Hard Knocks every time, every time it premiered, every Sunday or whatever it came out. Always watched it, uh, and I really like the culture that they're that they're building in Detroit. I think Dan Campbell's a great head coach. Uh, you know, there are definitely teams I think you know, given how he how the team played, you know, the record for them last year, there are probably teams that would have fired him. But I think the Lions see the potential of him being, you know, this, a player's coach, like a motivational guy. Uh, you know, I would, if he was a motivational speaker, he'd probably be making a, a heck of a lot more money. Uh, I really like what this Lions team did. And I really like how they played on Sunday as well. They beat the commanders, which, you know, is not the most impressive team, but a win's a win at the end of the day in the, in the NFL, it doesn't matter like college or, you know, anything like that where you have rankings, it is cold set in stone so you know any any win you can get especially for the lions is going to be huge uh you know going forward manny for you you know i don't have, did you watch hard next at all and were you able to you know get a little bit behind the scenes and then uh you know what do you take away from this for the lions but then also for the commanders as well being the, the losing team yeah, I did. I did catch some of the clips. I didn't watch too much of it just because I've never had before. But uh, no, yeah, I definitely see that culture aspect of it from just the clips alone. It doesn't take that much to know what kind of guy Dan Campbell is and how much he actually cares about uh, this team in particular and just, you know, building a good culture there, like you said, like you said there, Pat. But again, just my thoughts on this game, it was a little bit more exciting than a lot of people would have thought. And Carson Wentz, to give him credit, he did play pretty solid. He had 337 yards and three touchdowns. And, again, another high-scoring game for, for the Lions. Back-to-back weeks, they put up over over 30 points. So, I guess that's some encouraging signs for them. It's just really – I guess you could say that defense at times that just gets lackluster and there's a couple penalties there in the games where they kind of just shoot themselves in the foot or they get off to a slow start. Stuff like that, small stuff like that that you could uh, that you see from teams that aren't really used to winning. Really have this winning culture set. Uh, those mistakes can happen, but I think they're trending in the right direction. I really like the Lions. I don't think they're as bad as they have been, or as people think they might be. I think they got the right coach in there, and they drafted pretty well this year. And DeAndre Swift has been very, very well for them. Uh, these first two games against the Eagles, he had a lot more success than I thought that he was gonna have. Uh, just because of how good that Eagles defense is. But back-to-back weeks, he's done a solid job. And I like what he's doing. And Amra St. Brown as well, too, continuing to be a, a good receiver for them and just being one of the more underrated guys this year. So uh, another good game for the Lions. I'm excited to see where, where they take it from here. 
Zach, I want to get I want to get your thoughts as well. You know, this Lions team on paper isn't half bad. I mean, you have a you have a decent offensive line, a quarterback that, you know, Jared Goff has a cast off, in my opinion. And, you know, I wouldn't be shocked if, you know, again, the Lions aren't going to be a playoff team. They're still going to be, you know, in the top 10 draft. You know, do you think there's a possibility that they may, you know, use some of their draft capital and trade up for a guy like CJ Stroud or Bryce Young uh, or Sam Hartman, anyone like that? Do you think there's a possibility of that? I think that the Lions could definitely make a big splash in the in the early picks of the draft. They wanted to trade up uh, with their capital, but I, I think it's important for this season. To, it's encouraging for the beginning of this season that they're that they're one and one. I mean, going there's a lot of teams that are going into this week with that zero and two panic. You know, they just started the season with two losses in a row, and the Lions can't say that. The Lions are one and one to start the season, and I think that's encouraging for Dan Campbell and the team. And um, I think going forward, they need to focus, like you said, Manny, on Amon Ross St. Brown, because I'm looking at the stats right now, and he actually read them and led them in rushing with 68 yards on two carries. And then he had, of course, eight, eight receptions, 116 yards and two touchdowns. So I, th- I think focusing on him and uh, leaning on Jared Goff for now um, is definitely going to get them on a higher trajectory. But when it comes to draft day, I think making a splash for a quarterback is definitely important for them because Jared Goff, I don't think is a long-term investment for the lions. I completely agree as well. And, you know, we'll get into, you know, draft stuff later on in the season once it starts to pan out a little bit more, Uh, but let's get some into a quick other games to the jets and Browns game. Again, highly exciting for two teams that are probably the most, uh, what's the right word for them? The worst run organizations in professional sports, especially the Browns, uh, you know, for reasons that obviously everyone knows at this point, uh, you know, they, I mean, they really fumbled, you know, they fumbled the game away. Basically Nick Chubb just had, just didn't have to run it in for a touchdown. He runs it in for a touchdown and gives the Jets the chance to come back. They end up coming back and taking that one thirty-one to 30, Bucks Saints, that's another game that the Bucs are expected to win. But obviously that fight with Mike Evans uh, and Marshawn Lattimore, which is an interesting one. But, you know, again, I think that's just the personality of Mike Evans more than anything else that got him suspended. But, you know, I don't know if you guys saw the clip of him, of him mouthing to the referee, but he basically was saying, you know, you can't touch Tom Brady. Like that is, you know, effing Tom Brady. You can't. So... I get why he said that and why he did that. It's fair reasoning. Uh, given we don't know how you know fragile Tom Brady is at this point. I mean, he's forty-five. Uh, he is a reti- He should be a retired dad of five years at least. Uh, but he still keeps playing, nonetheless. Speaking of Tom Brady, his former team Manny uh, beat your Steelers seventeen to fourteen. Uh, what happened there for the Steelers? The Patriots are the most complete team. Uh, what kind of, is that a, as a result of TJ Watt not being able to play or was there other things that the Steelers didn't do so well against the Patriots? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's always something about the Patriots playing us at home. Just can't seem to beat them at our own home field. I think the only time in the last like meetings we have, it was like 2018 where we beat them, but I don't know. I, I mean, I watched that game obviously in in its entirety, and uh, there was just like a, like three plays that stood out to me. Really, it was the the muffed punt by us, 
um, in the third quarter, if I'm not mistaken, the their uh, only touchdown, I think, uh, that long one over our corner at the end of the half, and then the interception that we just dropped, that one of our corners just dropped. And I think if we make – if they don't score a touchdown or if we don't muff the punt or if we make a pick, if one of those happens or doesn't happen, I'm almost 100% sure we win that game. But that offense – or our offense, I should say, just another lackluster game, really. We we only – again, it just seems like we can't throw it over the middle. Like Mitch Trubisky's playing like uh, – like he doesn't want to make a mistake. And I don't know if it's the pressure – that he's starting to feel from uh, the fans and um, Kenny Pickett right behind him. But it just seems like he's playing like to be the safest option, really to find the safest, safest option and just check it down. It seems like he's scared to throw it over the middle, especially early on in that game. He threw it over the middle and it got intercepted off of the tip ball. So that's an issue. I don't know if it's just him or if it's the play calling it's uh, it'll be interesting to see how they change it tomorrow, because I think, that pressure is starting to build. We talked about it, Pat. I think um, it was the it was a pressure from uh, I can't remember what we what we said in the beginning. I talked about it before with uh, with you that this team, especially now, I think I said it was like three or four weeks where it was going to be that leash for Mitchell Trubisky, and if he throws another duck or performs another uh, bad performance tomorrow. I wouldn't be surprised if in the press conference, Mike Tomlin starts to be a little bit more lenient and uh, starts kind of hinting that Kenny Pickett could be could be ready in these next couple of weeks if Mitchell Trubisky doesn't perform. That was my question I was just going to ask you as well. I think that leash probably got even shorter because I do agree with you. I watched some some highlights of that. I was you know, watching everything on Red Zone. Uh so it's kind of going all over the place, but I do agree that, you know, he does have that pressure on him, which is a, it's fair. I mean, you have a guy that was drafted in the first round right behind you. Uh, you have another guy behind him who, well, I mean, we're not going to throw Mason Rudolph into this conversation. Uh, I know your opinions on Mason Rudolph as well, Manny, but uh, you know, I get why Trubisky is feeling that pressure, but you know, you have a decent, you have a really good offense. The offensive line, not great. Not really that good. But, I mean, when you have someone like Najee Harris in the backfield and you have Deontay Johnson, uh, I don't know any other wide receivers, maybe. I'm, I'm blanking on them right now. Chase Claypool, George Pickens. Yeah, so basically uh, – Deontay just, Johnson. Just, just Deontay Johnson. <laughs> uh, Claypool is a bit overrated for me. Uh, he, he very much – for my fantasy team last year so <laughs> never never again yeah, no, yeah can't trust him can't trust him anymore but another interesting win was the jaguars once again beating the colts at home 24 to nothing that's a game that i, I just don't understand with this colts team and again i don't know if you guys watch hard knocks as much as i do i watched it last year uh, it was the first year they did in-season hard knocks, and it was with the Colts. And I really liked the team. I really liked the culture that they were trying to build. Obviously, Carson Wentz was there. And, you know, from my days as an Eagles fan, I could see why that, you know, that culture was starting to deteriorate, to be honest. Uh, but, again, this is a game that the Jaguars are like the Browns. They're not very well run. You know, they're one of the – they're always at the dumpster of, you know, the AFC – 
but for some reason, you know, they just have the Colt, they just have the Colts number every year, year in and year out. Uh, Zach, do you think there is, what's the explanation for this? Do you think it's on the Colts side or you just think that for some reason they're the one team in the NFL that can't win in Jacksonville? It, it may be that, but me personally, I got to put this loss on Matt Ryan's shoulders because simply he did not manage the game well. He looked scared. Uh, I, I mean, I hate to call a veteran scared, but he, he looked scared out there. And he threw three interceptions on the day. And also, uh, Jonathan Taylor only touched the ball nine times, which I also think is severely, like, what are you doing? I mean, I understand they had to pass later on as the game got um, out of hand. But uh, Jonathan Taylor, your best player, needs to be touching the ball. And I think Matt Ryan um, can't have as much as his shoulders as, as when it comes to offense. So um, the Colts need to work on something. I mean, they're 0-1-1, which is kind of weird to say. They tied last week with the Texans – or two weeks ago, sorry. Um, but – Going into Jacksonville and uh, and losing with a big a, a big game like that, it's definitely uh, alarm for concern. I think it is definitely an alarm for concern, and I mean you'd be stupid to not put Frank Reich on the hot seat at this point. Uh, you've had really good teams for you know the last two years. You obviously missed the playoffs on the final day of the season last year against the Jaguars. Uh, I mean, for I have to say, Reich is all in the hot seat at this point, and you know he definitely is going to be competing. For, he's going to be fighting for his job for the rest of the season. But your number one, the number one thing you have to do on offense is just get Jonathan Taylor to ball. I mean, there is a reason he is one of the probably a top three running back in the league. Uh, you know, there's also a reason why he was probably the number one pick in everyone's fantasy draft as well, uh, including me which I really needed, Jonathan Taylor. Uh, Manny will be feeling the wrath of my fantasy football team this weekend, for sure. 2-0 in both leagues, just just saying. Uh, but, uh, yeah, you know, for my sake and also for, I think, Colts fans' sake, you have to get Jonathan Taylor the ball. I mean, it's, it's as simple as that. He is one of the more dynamic players on offense, you know, whether that be wide receiver, tight end, running back, quarterback. He's dynamic, and you can't not give him the ball more. You can't give him the ball only nine times in a game. That's going to happen to you. Some other interesting games as well. Uh, the Rams had a close one against the Falcons. I think that should have been a little bit – that shouldn't have been as close in my opinion. Uh, the other interesting game, I don't know if you guys were able to watch, was the Dolphins-Ravens game. That might have been one of the better games – of this young season so far and could be one of the better ones of the season. Manny, as an AFC North fan, you see the Ravens a lot. What did you see out of this game from the Ravens? But then also, you know, what do you, what have you liked out of this Dolphins game? Because, you know, they're a competitive, I mean, the Bills will win the AFC. There's no question about that, but you'd be, I, I mean, you'd be again, stupid to say that Dolphins aren't a competitor for one of those wild card spots. Yeah, it's uh, it's weird. Uh, I thought the Ravens had it in the bag, really, most of that second half. I thought they were just going to close it out or run it out like they usually do. But uh, no, the credit to the Dolphins for, for staying in it, believing that they could win it, and uh, credit to Tua as well. Uh, obviously, that team has just been bombarded with a bunch of stuff, seeing it in the media that Tua is not the quarterback for them. He can't throw it down the field. He's... Uh, 
everything under the sun, right? That he's not he's not the ideal guy to compete with a guy like Josh Allen. But um, I think that game on Sunday kind of build his confidence up and build uh, this team's just backing of him that, yeah, this is our guy. We're going to rock with him. And Mike, Mike McDaniels as well, I think he's done a great job of structuring this offense to uh, to build or to fit what Tua's style of quarterback is. Uh, I really like what they're doing with uh, Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle, obviously. Uh, both of them had an amazing game against the Ravens. And that's on the side of the Dolphins, like on the positive side for the Dolphins. But on the Ravens, a lot was made of this team that last year they were injured. A lot of injuries on the defensive side of the ball, and that's why they were being they were allowing a lot of scores to to run up on uh, a lot of teams to run up the scores on them into the twenties, possibly into the thirty some games. But now everybody's virtually back, and they're still allowing like thirty points. Uh, the first game was against the Jets, but against a now a good competitor in the Dolphins, they nothing really changed with their starters back in. So. I'm not saying they're not good in it, if you think, but it's just something to watch out for, like to see how this team or their defense in particular uh, kind of gets their feet under them. And if that's ever going to happen throughout this season or if they're still going to allow these big plays to happen down the field. But uh, it'll be interesting uh, in that division with the Bills and, and the Dolphins. They play this week. Uh, that'll be a good matchup this week, both of them 2-0. Uh, we'll see which way that swings, but uh, it'll be interesting to keep an eye on. We'll get into that game in just a little bit as well. Zach, a tough one for your Seahawks. Again, not a great start for them. 0-2 on the season. You lose 27-7. You lose 27-7, excuse me. Uh, you know, what is, what's the expectation for these Seahawks at this point? You know, what can you take away from these first two weeks? Uh, the expectations definitely have gone down a little bit after the 49ers game because I mean as and many Seahawks fans whether it's in my classes or wherever uh, they've been very high after the Broncos win week one uh, beating Russell Wilson uh, at Lumen Field but now after the 49ers game it's kind of a reality check like a gut check for Seattle like okay this is where we stand in the NFC West so we just need to uh, work towards that but I, I really I really didn't see uh, see a lot from the Seahawks, especially offensively. They just they just struggled. Uh, Geno didn't throw a touchdown pass. Through, had one interception. Our, our leading rusher had 15 yards. And as the game got out of hand, they just were forced to pass the ball more, and it kind of uh, took away from the the scheme that uh, Pete Carroll wants to run, which is run the football. Um, and then Garoppolo came in in relief of Trey Lance. Uh, prayers up for Trey Lance. Uh, came in relief of him and, and performed pretty well. And he led that offense and kept a, kept a sizable lead throughout the game. So uh, for Seattle for the rest of the season, the expectations are definitely going to be a little lower than they were, but I still, I'm still confident that they can, um, I don't know, outstretch preseason expectations because preseason expectations were top five pick, all this stuff. So I still think it's a possibility for them to at least be in the middle pack of that, of the NFC West. That's fair. I'll get. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Uh, you know, Cow there's a couple other games as well. Cowboys 2017 over the Bengals. Uh, Bengals not really playing up to expectations after making the Super Bowl last year. Uh, Broncos and Texans again. That's not a game that nobody's really interested in. The Broncos ended up winning that one. Uh, the last game on Sunday was Bears Packers. 
Uh, Packers, again, thoroughly beating the Bears. And, you know, they are probably going to win the NFC North again. Uh, Don't count out the Vikings, but also don't count out the Lions as well. That's my little hot take there. Don't count out the Lions, uh, but don't also count out the Vikings as well. Uh, Speaking of the Vikings, uh, Monday night was a fantastic night for me personally. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into the, we'll get into the first game that got off, uh, Bill's Titans. Uh, how do we want to describe this game guys? Uh, do we want to just say it was an outright blowout? Like, how do you, how do you categorize this one? Embarrassing. Yeah. Titans are frauds. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Wow. All right. Hey, I'll take it, man. All right. All right, Manny, what's your, why do you believe that they're frauds? Do you think it's. Too much of a dependency on Derrick Henry. Yeah, I think that's a big one. But uh, I don't know. I think Tannehill's time really has kind of just run out. I think like he has gone by, or this team's gone by with uh with him playing a quarterback, and uh, and I think just more teams are prepared for Derrick Henry. Really, they they don't really change their offensive approach. Really, you know, and rightly so, it has to go to Derrick Henry, right? But like you have to have something else to uh to complement that right and i just don't think that the tie-ins or other teams are afraid of ryan Tannehill and uh their receivers really like other than preparing for derrick henry they're uh they're not really scared to to load the box and that deep threat over the top they're not really threatened by that so that's why the tie-ins offense really hasn't just been there at all and that's why derrick henry has struggled so far this season and uh their defense is okay i like jeffrey simmons um, but they can only do so much to to withstand the other team's offense, especially if it's someone like the Bills. Like, if you can't go toe to toe with them or score score whenever they score, it's gonna be very tough. Uh, very tough, and that showed. Uh, that showed two days ago on Monday. You know, Zach, I'll get your thoughts in a second as well. But you know, this is a game that I think further cemented the Bills as the odds-on favorite to win the Super Bowl eventually. I mean, there is a very, very good shot of them winning the Super Bowl at the end of the season. And, you know, after a performance like that where you shut down probably the AFC South winner at the end of the season, you know, barring, you know, any crazy, you know, Colts comeback or whatever, uh, this will be the AFC South winner. You know, the Bills, you have to feel – you know, on top of the world because they are on top of the NFL mountain at this point. Zach, for you, what did you take away from this from this game for the Bills' sake? Uh, you know, do you think that you know, along with them being cemented as the NFL the Super Bowl favorite, do you think that may have cemented Josh Allen as an MVP favorite as well? I, I think definitely. I I do want to touch on the something about the Titans real quick though. Um, I think like kind of kind of go off what Manny said not having a number one receiver like A.J. Brown or, uh, I mean, any other pass receiver. I mean, even Robert Woods is not a number one receiver for them. Like, not having that number one guy that can threaten defensive secondaries just really hurts their whole offensive flow. But um, about the Bills, sorry, I just wanted to mention that. About the Bills, um, that we I think we learned from Monday night that that Allen to Diggs connection is like an MVP, maybe OPOY connection you know what I mean because they they find each other I mean Gabriel Davis was out Monday 
Um, and he would definitely take some targets from Diggs. But that connection there, I mean, we saw three touchdowns, 148 yards just to Diggs alone. And that shows uh, how deep their connection is, how well they uh, mesh together. But Allen himself um, was poised and leading the offense. And the Titans defense had nothing for his arm, um, whether it was deep in the across the middle, in the flats, and they had nothing for his arm. So I think Allen definitely has cemented himself as an MVP favorite so far. And then we'll quickly get into this Eagles-Vikings game. Uh, I'm going to let you guys talk about it first. I don't want to give my perspective and my opinion on it. Uh, you know, I'll let you guys talk about it first. Manny, what did you take away from this game first? Uh, I don't know. I thought it was going to be a pretty low-scoring game, kind of a lot more defense shown. But uh, I was proven wrong, I guess, really in the first half. The Eagles just completely dominated the Vikings in the first half. Jalen Hurts, I don't know if he had like over 200 or maybe even over 300 yards just in the in the first half, like total. Uh, it was really amazing to see. I really, I am a fan of Jalen Hurts. Uh, I thought he was unfairly criticized last year, but uh, I, I am happy to see him doing very well uh, for the Eagles. And again, I like that Devontae Smith got involved a lot more. Uh, he didn't get a reception in the first game, but in this game he was had a lot more prominence and showed a lot more of what he can bring to complement A.J. Brown because I think the Vikings were trying to take him away. And uh, Devontae Smith is, uh, is a good compliment to him, and as well as Goddard, Quiz Watkins had that long touchdown. Uh, the offense isn't, is, isn't really the issue, and then just the defense just complemented it even more. Uh, Darius Slay had a, had a day. He probably could have had like four or five picks in that game, honestly. Uh, but uh, uh, that was a good showing from their defense, and they really contained Dalvin Cook. So overall, they played very well. But uh, the Vikings did miss some chances, though. They they created some turnovers, and uh, in that second half, they could have made it a lot closer than it was. But Kirk Cousins uh, went fell from the top of that mound he was on in that first week. The, the Eagles defense really humbled him there. But, uh, no, yeah, it was a good win for the Eagles overall. Zach, I want to get your perspective on it uh, as well. You know, being in the NFC as well, you have to look at the Eagles as a potential, you know, representative for the NFC to go to the Super Bowl. What did you take away from this game, uh, you know, for the Eagles? You know, what did you – I guess what did you take away from, you know, either the Eagles or the Vikings, uh, you know, on both sides? Manny kind of said everything that I was wanting to say, but one thing that stuck out to me, Manny did mention this, but uh, Darius Slay is legit. Um, I, I mean, he had four or five interceptions that either were dropped, and then he had two that he actually got on the night, and then three or four that he could have had extra on top of that. And uh, we saw from the Vikings offense that Kirk Cousins kind of falls apart in prime time, which is kind of a running meme now, but – uh Darius Slay uh every time every time Darius Slay was targeted it seemed like he was getting a breakup whenever I noticed at the end of the game I only watched the second half because uh, I was watching the Bills game mostly in the first uh, in their game but um the, the second half I mean every target that went to Jefferson Slay was on him and I think that showed that the Vikings offense can kind of be one-dimensional sometimes like if if Dalvin Cook uh, can't get his usual work then Kirk Cousins kind of puts the Vikings in a box when it comes to passing the ball because sometimes he can be either make ill choices or be inaccurate. So 
I think it was a good a good showing for the Eagles, showing what they can do against in prime time against a good team. But the Vikings definitely need to have some work to do. I agree with you guys as well. Uh, as the Eagles fan on the show, I am thoroughly happy with how this team has performed so far this season. Uh, you know, I think this all, again, you guys mentioned it and everything that I wanted to say, but something you also have to take away from this is what Howie Roseman has done for this Eagles organization. I mean, you have to, you have to agree that they had probably the best offseason of any team this of any team in the NFL. I mean, you bring in, you know, probably the other guy in the Titans offense who would have given other teams nightmares and AJ Brown. You bring in Kazir White from the Chargers, who is one of the leading tackler tacklers of any defensive player last year, James Bradbury from the Giants. And you also add in Jordan Davis, who still hasn't really played a ton, which is not really like a, a welcome sign for me, to be honest with you. Uh, but then also Nicobe Dean as well. I mean, he's a back, he is a backup right now, which I think is fine for his development. Uh, but you, I mean, you can't not like what you've seen out of this Eagles offense so far. I don't know if you guys noticed this as well. Those referees were god awful. I mean, they were so unbelievably bad. Uh, I've never seen so many illegal man downfield calls in my life. I mean, there was at least what, six or seven in the entire game, uh, you may see one or two uh, over the course of a game. So that was an interesting uh, little tidbit from that game as well. But we'll get into just uh, make sure you guys can hear that. Nothing. Oh man, that's awful! I'm trying to play the Eagles' fight song. Wow, that that failed. <laughs> that failed miserably. Wow. Oh man, that is. Oh man, I can't remember which part of the phone my sound counts out of. So that wow. Okay, you know what? Let's just move into week three quickly. A uh, couple minutes. Couple. Couple minutes left in this one. Quickly, uh, we'll get into our three games. Manny, for you, tomorrow night you talked about it. Steelers-Browns, Thursday night football. Uh, what's your prediction for this one, and what's going to be the key for the Steelers? Uh, well, I am expecting I am expecting us to win. Uh, if we don't win tomorrow, I think definitely some panic buttons will be hit, mine especially. Uh, um, but, no, I, I, I'm expecting this offense to open open up a little bit more. I'm, I want to see a lot more throws down the field over the middle, the whole nine, right? I want to see this offense play or play to this potential that I think their weapons can. I don't know about Mr. Trubisky, but um, their weapons can definitely play at a high level. And, uh, yeah, I'm expecting us to win tomorrow. And their defense, the def on the defensive side, I think we're fine, even without TJ. I think we could get by the Browns for sure. Zach, I want to get your thoughts on the Falcon-Seahawks game. That game at home for the Seahawks, which could prove to be helpful for them. Uh, what's your prediction for this one? And, you know, what do you think is the key to getting the Seahawks their second one of the season? Um, we, we've definitely learned in the first two games that the Falcons can hold a close game with good teams. Like they played with the Rams and the Saints in close games. So 
I don't think this is going to be a runaway by any means, even though it's at home for Seattle. But the key for Seattle to take the game, take the game over is to run the ball, whether that's getting Gino the ball through option plays or getting Rashad Penny the ball, just handing it off to him. They need to run the football like they want to do and really find that identity. But I think Seattle will take it close. If I'm giving a score prediction, I'll, I'll do like uh, I'll do like 24-21 for that one. All right, I'll take those predictions. Manny, quickly from you, what's your score prediction for Steelers? I'm going to say 28-14. All right, I'll take that. Final game of our three is the Eagles versus the Commanders. One of the first games on Sunday, 1 p.m., Eagles favored by six and a half. I, I mean, this is a game that the Eagles, this is a gimme win for them. Uh, you can't not take the commanders lightly though uh they still can beat teams but i think at the same time with the way that the eagles played against the vikings uh back on monday going into this one they're on top of the they're on top of the world right now and they have all the you know the expectation on them but also i think you know rightly so they've played exceptionally well offense defense and special teams as well you know i don't want to give an outlandish prediction on this one uh, I'm going to say 35 to 10 is my prediction. I think it's a little bit out there, a little bit bold. Uh, I do think they have to get AJ Brown a little bit more involved in my opinion. Uh, but I do think overall this team has done well. I think Jalen Hurts is going to further prove why he's such a good, a great quarterback and they don't need to draft a quarterback come next season. But this has been first and moose for week three, reviewing week two, and previewing week three. We'll see you guys next week to pre to review week three and preview week four this NFL season. It's going to be an exciting one. Thank you again for listening. Have a good day.